Maya Angelou also said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you, right? And I just thought that spoke so powerfully to what people are carrying around with them and the, uh, the absolute magic that you can add to someone's life by being a good listener. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Hearing Voices podcast, an IARA podcast powered by the Greater Rockford Auto Auction. I'm your host, Abigail Balk. Staying up to date with market trends and best business practices can be difficult, but we're here to help. Once a month, we'll be bringing you new episodes as we talk to auto industry members like you on things like leadership, customer service, technology, safety, and more. Let's get started on this month's episode. Today we are talking about leadership listening, and I am joined by Joe Miller. Joe is a coach striving to help individuals and businesses achieve success. Most recently, he completed a 14-year career as a change maker and blue sky thinker in the auto remarketing industry. He served as an executive vice president at Auto IMS, where he led marketing, sales, service, and product-related functions in service to a variety of noted automotive companies. Focused on empowering others to succeed, he is now embarking on a passion project to improve the lives of others through the discipline of coaching. While he looks forward to his service to the private sector through selective consulting, speaking, and coaching engagements, his primary focus is pro bono work with individuals and communities of need. Joe's current mission is to help those with less achieve their best. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Honored to be here. We're also joined by IARA Executive Director Mark Coleman. Mark graduated from DePaul University with his bachelor's degree and earned his master's in organizational leadership from Gonzaga University. He is a 25-year wholesale automotive industry veteran. Prior to joining the IARA team, Mark spent time with Chrome Systems, development of a bespoke online auction, especially for credit unions, and most recently GE Fleet and Element Fleet. Mark joined the GE Fleet team in 2008 as co-leader of national sales for the company's then newly formed third-party remarketing service. Today, GE Fleet is known as Element Fleet, and their third-party remarketing service is among the largest in North America. Welcome to the Hearing Voices podcast, Mark. Thanks, Abby. Excited to be here. So to kick things off, we'll start off with some easier questions so you guys can get warmed up and listeners can get to know you both better. Joe, what would you say has been your favorite memory while working in the auto industry? Oh, absolutely attending Grawlapalooza at Greater Rockford Auto. <laughs> we like that answer. <laughs> yeah, well, sucking up aside, um, uh, you know, I I was very blessed with a harmonious and uh, um, mostly fun and uh, productive time while I was at Auto IMS. The team at Auto IMS is second to none. And I, uh, in my 14 years there, I went to every single industry conference that we were attending as a team. And I have very wonderful memories, especially of uh, an NAAA early in my tenure there at uh, in Orlando. And both some restaurants, some client dinners we had, but also the lobby bar experience uh, in, in that particular, and there's been multiple since, but that particular conference was very eye-opening to me. And at least as many cocktails went down the toilet uh, on purpose uh, as went in my mouth because the, these people saw fresh blood and were pouncing, but uh, it was a really great way to, to learn about the industry in the lobby bar of NAAA. <laughs> Uh, Mark, what would you say has been your favorite uh, automotive industry memory? 
See, I, I was thinking of like high level themes and <laughs> Joe just as usual gets right to the heart of it. I Let's go. This is, yeah. <laughs> we're being real. We're being honest. <laughs> Leader, leadership happens in that bar after 11. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, um, I, I, when I, when I consider memories, um, from my career in automotive, more than specific events or occurrences, what, what I tend to recall is the people um, that I was working with. Uh, and, and I think about my time at um, GE Fleet, uh, which then became Element Fleet. Uh, what, what a great uh, team of folks Paul Seeger assembled over the years that, that, that Paul has been um, uh, leading that uh, leading that team that remarketing effort for for the fleet company you know even uh, it, what a great work family but also uh, I think every one of us on that team knew that even in our personal lives anything we needed our our teammates had our back um, and what a what a fantastic experience um, that was to be part of that team the other thing I'll say Abby um, somewhat self-servingly <laughs> I, I think um, I think the gig I've got right now uh, with IRA is going to turn out to be uh, one of my favorite memories. As I look, you know, ten years from now, as I look back, the chance to to play a small part in uh, IARA's evolution and growth, um, interact with the leaders at IRA, our chairs, co-chairs, the board, the executive board. I'm I'm pretty sure ten years from now I'm going to look back and say, yeah, that 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 was the one. That was the gig. What would you guys say is has been the most important leadership lesson that you have learned? Yeah, I, I mean, very, very simply, uh, in a way, is that it, it, there's I think it's the misconception that the leader's voice is the most important. Certainly, that person's in that position for a reason. Um, but I think it relates to my other gut feeling on this question, which is that people are most effective when they are on their mission. And in the work context, they need to know that their mission is valued and at least tied to the company's mission or the greater mission of what's happening around them. Totally agree with that. I, I guess the other thing I would add to, to build on that and somewhat in a similar vein, probably the most important leadership lesson for me uh, early in my career was check my ego at the door. Um, wh whatever initiative uh, we're pursuing, whatever goal we're trying to achieve, it ain't about me. Uh, and I, I think um, leaders that um, set their ego aside uh, are sometimes the most effective um, at, at to what they do. I feel like both of your answers just speaks to why you're both good leaders. The fact that you recognize both of those. <laughs> Um, so what type of leader in your mind do you hope to be for your people? And have you seen that change over time through your career? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll jump in because Mark, what you just said resonated so deeply with me as I, you know, as I think about this question, I definitely used to value as a, you know, a person who grew up in New Jersey, came out of the womb as a creative, an influencer, someone who wanted to be seen. I used to value so strongly having the best idea and the right answer and being the smart guy in the room. And that is so the opposite of checking your ego at the door. And it's also antithetical to um, really the getting to the right answer as opposed to being right. And so that's that's been an evolution for me. I mean, this is an ongoing journey, right? I still feel like there's a long way to go. And I also think um, 
you know, it's a journey for everyone. I mean, we're talking about leadership to a degree here. Uh, everyone's a leader. We're all leading ourselves if nobody else. Right. So um, I think, you know, getting to that right answer and being connected and empowering others in the process, uh, making that leap really allows you to, to do some more nuanced things in leadership. And this is where you start to get into where your intentions may be good, but it's better to be effective. You got to be, it's not enough to be right. You also have to be effective, right? So <laughs> learning that we need to support others, not just protect them as mm-hmm. leaders. And there's a difference between having someone's back and shielding them from the mistake and the, the real true deep learning that they can experience in their own growth. So there's that balance there. And so that that's kind of been part of my evolution. Mark, do you have anything that you want to add as far as what type of leader that you are, or if you've seen that change over time or in your different roles? You know, r- real quickly, I, I guess I would make a contrast between um, a transactional leader, somebody who says, hey, you do this for me and I'll do this for you, mm-hmm. versus um, the, the notion of a transforming leader. So a, a transforming leader comes into a, a situation with the, the hope and the goal of everyone on this team, everyone engaged in this journey um, will help each other to be better, uh, more, more effective, more successful and better people. So that at the end of the experience together, um, we've all been transformed, including the leader herself or himself. Uh, so I, I think, you know, early in my career, it was, it was, it was, Hey, help me with this. I'll help you with that. Now I hope, um, you know, 40 years later in my career, I, I have a, a little bit higher aspiration, um, to help all of us engaged in an initiative, uh, be better people. So in recent years, um, there's been a bigger push or emphasis on leaders not only having the hard skills, such as being able to analyze data, but soft skills, such as listening. Why do you think that it's important for leaders to have both those hard and soft skills in order to be effective for their team? Mark, you have any initial thoughts on that? Well, I, I was going to say, man, you, you've studied this. This is, this is right in your wheelhouse. Um, t- take it if you don't mind. I, I, yeah, I do. I love this stuff. And, um, <laughs> and one of the reasons I've leaned into it uh, is not only because I've seen uh, more success in my own professional career with it, but um, it's just observing others. And I, I observe three modes of operating a lot of times as I look around, uh, as it relates to the softer, I call, I've always called it the softer side of Sears, you know, tugging on the, that's dating me a little bit, but tugging on the emotional heartstrings a bit. But those three, those three paths people seem to take is, meh, this is business, buck up and get to work. You can mm-hmm. do that other stuff at home, right? So that's one. Another one is, yeah, of course, we value the soft skills, and we've got that. We got that down. If you don't have that, that's minimum price to play. So get out. So we don't need to work on that because we got it, right? So you take it for granted. And then um, number three is is really leaning into humility and empathy. The, Mark, checking the ego out the door and recognizing that to be that transformative leader, it takes work. It's not easy. Most people don't have that out of the box, right? This is something you have to constantly evaluate because by the way, you're in the soup with other people 
And what you bring to Abby might be great every time. And what you bring to Paul Seeger might not be right. Depending on what he brings on that day. So, um, you know, I, I, you can't help but, but go back to the old Maya Angelou quote, right. Which is people will remember how you made them feel not necessarily what you did. So I know I messed that up, but it's, uh, it's in that vein. It's close enough. But that, that's where my mind goes on, um, on the softer side. Uh, why do you think that it is so important for leaders to be good listeners uh, specifically? You know, I, I, I'll go back to Maya. She said something else. Maya Angelou also said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. Right. And I just thought that spoke so powerfully to what people are carrying around with them and the uh, the absolute magic that you can add to someone's life by being a good listener. And this really is for everyone, not just leaders. Right. Um, the I think we're in a negative feedback loop right now. I was talking about this yesterday with someone, and I think I called it a death spiral because I can be dramatic. It's not a death spiral, but a little bit of a negative feedback loop where uh, we're just reinforcing poor listening constantly uh, today. It's it's like we, we're in this pandemic of short attention spans, and it requires someone who needs attention to vie for that attention in unhealthy ways. And to me, what's funny about it is, is that there's just no better conduit to trust and stronger relationships and connection that is so readily accessible to us. It's free. It's not easy. Uh, it's, uh, it's not necessarily intuitive. But these are ways that we can get closer to our employees, our peers, our customers, our, our personal relationships, our stakeholders. Um, and the thing is, you can tell I'm passionate about it, but I also don't need you to take my word for it, right? There is just, the research exists. It's out there. Harvard Business Review did it. They said better, you know, you, good listening leads to better problem solving and innovation. Uh, Forbes, they did the research. When people feel heard, they are more motivated and engaged. That E word is so important, engagement. Mm -hmm. The Journal of Applied Psychology. Oh, God, psychology, watch out. <laughs> they did research. They're still doing research. But conflict resolution, when you understand another person's perspective and really make the effort to do it, just the effort, it de-escalates whatever crisis or situation they're dealing with. So the point is we know this matters, but it doesn't hurt repeating why it's so important. So thanks. The, the other thing I would add, just from a, a practical perspective of a leader coming into a situation or coming into a company or, or taking um, hold of a team, you know, one of the things that I've learned is, that, again, early in my career, I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to come up with all of the answers. I have to figure this out. Mm -hmm. What I learned is when when you take over as a leader of a team, your team members know what's wrong. They know what needs to be improved, what needs to be fixed, what customers need attention. All, all we have to do is, as Joe was pointing out, and it, it doesn't come naturally. It's not oftentimes a, a leader's first instinct, especially young leaders listen to your team members. 
um, sit them down, spend time with them, ask them probing questions, and listen, listen, listen to what they say. They'll tell you what needs to be improved. For those listeners who are thinking to themselves, am I a good listener or not? Do you have any recommendations or ways that people would be able to ask themselves or signs they could look for so they can self-evaluate their listening skills? This is 100% Coach Joe, man. (laughs) All of you. (laughs) Well, well, Abby, you had, uh, I think you gave us some insight just in your question, which is, I think people are ahead of the game if they're still listening to us right now. So (laughs) God bless you. Good listener. Um, If you're hanging in there. Um, But, you know, it it really is a beautiful question because really, I think, awareness is a first step. And so the first thing you got to do is engage your kitchen cabinet right? Who are the people in your life that you trust at work and at home? Mentors, whoever's around you, a coach is great for this. Um, But ask them for their honest opinion and be there for it. I mean, uh, it's a great exercise. If you can go into that going, whatever they say, I'm not going to be defensive. Um, For self-evaluation, because I think we should constantly be balancing this sort of listening to ourselves uh, and, and trying to do this exploration. I just think of the, I love trinities, right? So I think the holy trinity of listening, being a good listener is uh, body, mind, and spirit. So you can just check in on all of those things, right? Um, am I showing up physically the way that I should to be in best service to this person who I'm listening to? And a lot of this comes really in a one-on-one scenario where listening can be the most powerful tool. Um, so, so we've all heard these tips, though. These are the body language things. So, where are my hands and my eyes and my feet pointed? Is my phone off of you know out of sight and all that good stuff? Um, mind uh, is the second one. And, and and have I put aside whatever this person probably interrupted me? while I was doing, when they walked into my office or whatever it is, right? We've all got a lot going on. Are you being honest and truthful with yourself around how much mental, because because that can hide. You can you think you can hide that. Um, and similarly, you think you can hide the spirit component. And, and this is where I think the magic comes from. This is where you start to build that internal well and check yourself on that. Do I care? Do I care about this person? Do I care about the topic they're talking about? Um, I, I think it's in that spirit of caring where, you know, the person in front of you will know and really, truly felt, feel, listened to if, if you care. So I think it's good to check in on all of those things. What are, um, Joe, what are some, uh, when you when you talk about checking yourself, um if if I'm sitting across the table from you or from Abby, what are some just a, a practical way that I can check myself? I mean, is it is it is it body language? Is it? Uh, I mean, you mentioned that a little bit. It, um, uh, you know, is it um, uh, paraphrasing? I mean, what what are some ways that I can kind of check myself and make sure that it, just just test that I'm present. Good. I, I mean, it's a it's a really wonderful question. Um, I, I, one thing to remember is that you, and this is one of the learnings from coaching, when you start to panic or get a little nervous that you're being in best service to your coachee, there's 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 a beautiful answer. 
and that person is sitting right in front of you, right? You have this, <laughs> you, your job as a coach is to be a kind mirror to that person, but they're also, the person in front of you is a mirror to you as well. So how's that person's mood and tone, right? And just getting tuned in to, to all of these things, but in that person can be an indicator for you. Um, am, I, am I of service to them? Uh, I, I think a lot of this, though, Mark, often is sort of a, a, a post-mortem, right? Someone walks out of your office and that, especially if this is something that you struggle with and want to work on and make change in, you're going to have emotional response. You're going to have all your old tendencies. You're going to have. So sometimes it's five or 10 minutes or an hour or a day later in a reflection that you come up with the, oh, crap, I could have done I could have been there better for this person. You know, I definitely still have my mind on that problem in the repair shop or that title or the, whatever it is, you know, speaking to our industry a little bit. Yeah. I love that. Well said. I, I remember Mark, when you asked um, if I'd be interested in doing this, I think I said I had a, a recent story. So part of my coaching practice I'm trying to build is to give back to the community. And I found a way to do that, I think, through music. I was a musician for a long time. I played trombone. And I reached out to a trombone teacher who's very connected in Atlanta because the guy just knows stuff and he knows everybody. And he has great ideas and I trust him. And we were catching up like we'd never taken time. I was just great. And I haven't played trombone in a while. And I told him what I was doing with coaching. And we immediately got to the topic of listening and just started talking about listening. And I, I got pretty vulnerable with them, as I'll do with you here, to say that, listen, I was a pretty good trombonist. And I got invited to play in a number of groups and scenarios and gigs. Some were paying and they were, they were great. It was so much fun. And this pattern emerged. And I didn't recognize it until I had time to reflect by taking time away from the trombone. And the pattern was this, I'd show up for the first rehearsal, someone around me or multiple people would say, boy, I'm glad you're here. You really blend in well. You have a nice sound. It's like you've done this before. Thanks for sitting in or being a part of this crew. And that was usually the last time I got that compliment. Because what happens is you're a performer, right? And it didn't matter. I mean, it, we were joking because third trombone, third trombone is about as important as I don't know. The only thing a third trombone can do is really screw up the performance. Right. <laughs> but what would happen is someone said, boy, you did a great job as third trombone tonight. I can't wait to see what else you do with this group. I hope you'll continue. And I'd say, hmm. I'm, I must have the ability to not only be a great third trombonist, they must need more of what I have to <laughs> offer. And so you start playing a little louder. Maybe you play a little out of tune or a little bit behind or in front of the beat, whatever it is. But it's like, and, and even if your attention's good, you know, this person could learn a thing from me. I'm going to just pep it up a little bit here so that maybe they'll come along for the ride. Pretty soon you're the world's worst third trombonist and everything you were doing well got out of sorts because of what you, you thought you need to be or do. And in fact, the answer was in front of me the whole time, right? They told me first rehearsal, you got this right. Keep doing that. Don't break that, you know? So anyway, that's my silly third trombone story. And it, you made me think of it because of the idea of reflecting, right? Mm -hmm. And so taking the time to reflect back. Have you guys ever thought or ever heard of the acronym WAIT? 
like in terms of listening. So it stands. Why am I talking? Yes. I just did it to you. I just did it to you. I had to be the right guy and step all over your brilliance. I'm so sorry. I mean, it was an open question. Do that again. Do that again. Tell us. No, that was perfect. Yes. I had, when I was doing research for the podcast, I had saw that and I'm like, you know, I really love like just taking the time to actually think about that, like in a conversation, like, is what I'm saying adding value? Does it actually need to be said? And is does it need to be said in this moment? And I think a lot of the time people will just say things and they're like, oh, this person needs to hear that. But they don't always take into consideration like they might not need to hear it in front of like the whole company or something like that. So I feel like that's also like a good kind of self-reflection in the moment that you can kind of ask yourself like, eh, do I need to say this or does it need to be said right now or can it wait? What would you say are some ways that leaders or people in general can work on improving their listening skills um, or become better listeners for their team or customers? So th- there are some obvious hints from the Holy Trinity, right? Um, and there, th- there's so many things to listen for when someone is talking. And, and so, first of all, I'm hesitant to give advice, believe it or not, because that's part of the training. But I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute. The... Uh, I think some nuance around listening that a lot of people don't think about and has come with the coaching training that, that I would share is it comes in the four S's, right? So uh, first one is you can listen for symptoms. These are things that show up on the surface, usually symptoms of a problem. You can listen for the source. It's the second S. These are the things that are below the surface, behind the scenes. What's the cause, right? Uh slippery slope here because you don't want to be trying to fill in too many blanks. It's more about just what you're listening for, not what you're listening to then kind of be right about. Um, The next one, Abby, you just alluded to it beautifully, which is the situation, right? The context of what's happening. So um, yeah, just, just being aware of uh, uh, what's true that, that is, that will set you free as a listener and a coach, by the way, is uh, trying to figure out what's objectively true in this situation versus what is an opinion that I'm forming, you know, or that uh, the person who's talking is forming. That's a great way to mirror back to someone what's happening. And then finally is around a solution. And I, I think this is a huge one because as much as possible, going back to what we first started with, people are most effective when they're on their mission. Let them come up with the solution. Be trusting Give them the space to work this out. You don't have to be right. You don't have to have the answer. And that's incredibly freeing when you think about it. And you'll be amazed at what people come up with. This is your opportunity to learn. Um, And the other thing that will come out of this, um, which is maybe some of the best advice, if you will, is your questions will get better naturally. They will just get better. And we could do a whole nother podcast on questions. So when you run out of material, let me know. We'll come back. We'll talk about questions. But that's it. That's a huge one. Mark, do you have any recommendations um, for people on if they're trying to improve their listening, things that they can do? So I, um, I, I think about a, a brief period in my career where I, I was a meeting facilitator. Um, and one of the challenges in facilitating meetings is you've got some folks, some naturally dominant personalities who want to just take over the conversation and respond it. But, but we, we, we used to uh, have this notion of a gatekeeper 
Um, so, you know, the, the, the leader or the facilitator's role in that meeting was to make sure that the folks who weren't getting airtime, the folks who were quiet, the folks who were deferring to these dominant personalities, that they get heard. Um, and so a silly little tool that I used to have, I, I got from a board game, a little buzzer. And then uh, my way of gatekeeping for those personalities trying to dominate the conversation, I, I would buzz them at some point and I would say. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we, I we, want a buzzer immediately. Exactly, yeah. Not for you, but just. In the, in the <laughs> so, so I think, um, you know, uh, everything Joe said so eloquently, of course, it, it, absolutely true. But, you know, fr from just a practical perspective um, as a leader, um, I, I think a, a way of helping people um, improve their, their listening skills is also um, uh, bringing out uh, in folks the the desire to participate, the the um, uh, motiva motivation and the courage to, to participate. So whenever you need to, you know, get the little buzzer uh, and, and uh, make space, make room for the folks who um, uh, who want to make contributions, but may be being drowned out by other voices. So I feel like that kind of leads into our next question. Um, do you have any suggestions or advice for leaders who are trying to build a culture of good listening? Joe, go right ahead. I hope we'll all chime in because I'm as, as curious as, as anything. Um, the I resist the urge to give advice or the temptation at, at every turn now, if I can, because um, I think that's one key to listening. So, so I'll offer in response to your question some more questions for reflection, mm -hmm. because this whole listening thing is a muscle that you can build right but as i think about that metaphor i also think that's kind of the surface of it right mm -hmm. really good listening needs to come from this well within you and so the questions are things like how much do you care about the person who's talking and the topic that they are talking about how much do you care about the people that you surround yourself that get airtime with you right do you care do you care enough about them to give them your undivided attention are are you in the moment at least as concerned about their growth as you are about your results or the outcome that you want how much do you trust the person who's talking i think trust is a huge part of this I mean, one question is, do you trust this person to spend the other seven or seven and a half hours of their working day to mostly unsupervised kind of carry out your mission and their mission? Mm -hmm. If you can trust them with that, you know, can you trust them right now to fill you in, um, to learn from their mistakes, to work this out in front of you, to give them that space? Can you trust yourself to do that? And then finally, how curious are you? I think curiosity is a word that's been bandied about in leadership situations more and more lately. Um, but do you really dream about what's possible in your organization for this person who's in front of you, for your people? Um, are the people around you part of that dream? Do they know about it? And more importantly, um, are you curious about their dreams? Have you asked them? So, um, listen, I mean, making meaningful change in this area, not, you know, taking your ability to listen for 
grant it. It, it, it requires an honest appraisal of who you are, what you value. And uh, then understanding that awareness, that awareness can pave a path. And that path is unique for every person based on their journey. So everything we've said today are just hopefully some clues. Um, but the specific behavior changes and how good listening and better listening and growth in your listening skill manifests for you, that's that's everyone's individual journey. Um, and I would tell you that a coach is really good at helping with that, but you know, it's, <laughs> one eight hundred call Joe. Do it. There you go. <laughs> shameless, shameless. Um, you know, just real quickly building on what Joe said, um, I, I really keyed in on Joe on your comment about trust. Um, my experience is that culture starts at the top of an organization, and and creating a culture of trust. Um, we say what we mean, we mean what we say, we follow up on our commitments, um, as well as um, authenticity. Um, am, am I bringing my authentic self today or am I putting on a mask or playing a role of some kind? Um, those are, I, I think, um, two critical components for leaders at the top of an organization to create a listening culture. And Joe, I, I uh, again, I think trust is, uh, man, that's a truth bomb right there. Mm -hmm. All right. So last question of the podcast, it might be your hardest one yet. Who else do you think we should have on the podcast? Mark, who's on your list? <laughs> well, uh, you, um, uh, if, if, if I, if I can lobby, uh, Abby, let's have you back. Um, I agree. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks. We won't bring a buzzer though. Don't worry. <laughs> oh no, I want the buzzer. Let's go. <laughs> I'm being somewhat silly, but you know, there's some historical figures I think would be so fascinating to, to have if we could bring them back to life and put them on a podcast. Um, I think there are some, um, some thinkers on the topic of leadership that, that could be really interesting. Um, you know, I had a couple of faculty members that I had um, in, in my graduate experience at Gonzaga, uh, Charlie Vogelheim, if you're listening, you're welcome. Um, uh, I, I think um, a couple of those folks could be interesting to, to have on a podcast. Shan Furk um, comes to mind. Uh, nobody's going to know that name unless you've read his books. Um, but uh, I, I think just some kind of thought leaders uh, from an academic perspective, to the extent they're interesting and not boring, um, could could be fun to have on the podcast. Joe, how about you? I, I love that. I, I was uh, less adventurous and kind of stayed in our industry uh, in thinking about this. But boy, there's a, it would it would make a lot of sense to pull in some people that are tangential or otherwise just maybe don't even know about our industry, but. Uh, the thought leader concept is great and there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, but someone who would probably work cheap and, and, and punch way above his price tag, uh, hopefully of zero, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, is Dave Blake. Uh, this is a, a, a guy who's on, he's got some parallel paths to both you and me right now, Mark, as, as he takes on the, uh, independent auction group executive directorship, right. um, but also is, is a, a longtime auction industry executive and uh, McConkie uh, uh, employee. And that organization, I think, I think I haven't worked for the McConkies, but in everything I've seen and heard is they walk in the talk um, of servant leadership. 
And I think a lot of what we've talked about today gets to some of the tenets of servant leadership. And whether that's some, uh, you know, a doctrine you want to deploy in your business or not, there are elements of it that everyone could benefit from. And certainly listening is a big part of it. So um, I, I think he offers some great perspective on, on this podcast. Well, thank you both so much for joining us and giving your input on leadership and listening for the first episode of the Hearing Voices podcast. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, Abby. Appreciate it. Joe, thanks so much for your time, man. As always, fun to be with you, Mark. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Hearing Voices podcast, an IARA podcast powered by the Greater Rockford Auto Auction. A new episode will be available next month. Follow the podcast on your favorite platform so you don't miss a single episode.